Hello and welcome to a special episode of I'm Thinking of Spoiling Things. It's special because we've got the boss back on to talk about his favourite movie of the year, which is an annual tradition in these parts. I am here, Stephen. Vaughan is here. Hello, Vaughan. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I, I am well. Thank you very much. Um, and Calvin is here as well. Hello, boss. Every time I have a favourite movie of the year, I'm invited onto these podcasts and I have to come and defend it. And uh, every time I chop off one of my fingers and I, I throw it at your podcast room door and I uh, and I expect some salvation or uh, um, uh, escape from this uh, uh, this hellish existence. But uh, I must come and defend uh, my beloved movies. Is it one of your favourite movies, Groundhog Day, as well? Because I'm already kind of, you know really feeling those vibes at the moment for reasons the listener will never know uh, of this podcast that we've started about 12 times now that is because we have interlopers there are interlopers in the recording here in the gallery we open up to the floor sitting in judgment like that bit from gladiator i guess um we have but i'll let them introduce themselves seeing as they invited themselves Hello, I just to clarify, uh, we we did not invite ourselves on here. Uh, there was an incoming call into a group chat that. Uh, so in fact, it was a literal invite for us to come and join. David this could podcast, be a vampire. David uh, could today. be a vampire. No, I, I, I guess that's true. I was I was invited in mm-hmm. uh, to to be part of this podcast. I guess uh, maybe informally, but definitely for sure, sure invited. Yes, so, excellent. Uh, no one knows who you are. And that's not true. Actually, I guess it is true because I've never been on this, yes. this podcast before, have I? No. Yeah. Hello, hello. I'm uh, David. I'm one of the co-hosts of the the Toon Geeks. You may have heard from there. You may have read my work on the website as well. And I'm here with uh, Fru, who uh, also has a podcast on on the website. I like the gladiators suggestion because I thought it was more like Waldorf and Statler. I mean, actually, yeah. To be fair, so um, just just a question for the both of you. So this is a podcast about the movie The Banshees of Inisherin, and um, just um, have, have you seen the movie? Uh, no, no. Okay, through have you have you seen the movie? Banshees of Inisherin. I thought this was like Avatar Banshees. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm gonna leave then. <laughs> uh, okay. No. 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 Yeah. No. This is the Banshees of Inisherin podcast. Um, so, and um, we were gonna moan a bit about Amsterdam, but then um, I decided we're not going to anymore. Uh, Calvin, very quickly, just tell everyone that Amsterdam is terrible. Calvin. Uh, Amsterdam is terrible. My review on the site. Amsterdam is terrible. His review on the site, um, absolutely. I also abysmal. think it's terrible. Just, just to clarify, there, I didn't see it, but I, I'm also going to say it's terrible. But the city, fabulous. So One much. of my favorites. <laughs> excellent, excellent city. So Martin McDonough um, is the director of this week's film, and I think all of us have a bit of experience here. So Vaughn, we'll go from my screen right to left. So Vaughn, start us off with you and Martin. Uh uh-huh, I have a been watching martin's movies i've seen most of them i think i'm only missing his his debut probably but um love his debut a lot um six shooter i've not seen it then yeah i have Um, not seen that either seems calvin may have but i guess we'll get back around to that um but yeah i've seen all of his other movies in bruges is fantastic a movie i really love a lot um and one i should probably revisit just because it's wonderful um Mm -hmm. and seven psychopaths i i did not love um and i think three billboards is okay um kind of like a weird uh, yeah, this... movie that i just kind of messy and not great 
there's stuff in that movie that is not very good, but then there's also some some good performances in it, even if they are in suspect roles. Um, mm. And there is good things about it. I mean, Martin McDonough is always like a a witty writer that can like pave over flaws in his films, when there are flaws in his films. Um, so there is these, always that going for it. So yeah, I I, I have pretty much the same pedigree of I love In Bruges. Um, I think it's a fabulous movie. Um, Seven Psychopaths I watched at the time, thought it was fine, didn't love it, didn't hate it, thought it was absolutely fine. I would be interested to revisit it. Um, and Three Billboards, again, I thought was fine. Would be interested to revisit it to have a clearer view on it. Um, probably more negative, I'm not sure. Calvin. Um, same path then. I love In Bruges, though. Yep. One of my favorite holiday-centric movies uh, set around this time of year. Definitely. Um, one of my favorite like uh, cold-setting movies with a, a very uh, cold uh, comedy to it. Uh, a cold um, sense of... Uh, Dark comedy. That's why I like about uh, Martin McDonough. Yeah. His uh, dark comedy is very um, moving to me in ways that I'm uh, very attracted to. I saw a Six Shooter. Uh, Donald Gleason starts with uh, uh, Martin McDonough here. So uh, they okay. established something there. Um, it's fine. It's another fine movie. I thought Three Billboards was fine. I had a very interruptive audience during it, so I need to okay. revisit. But I, I don't see a... It's kind of like funny for the film, there. seeing as it's about like getting in the way of like authority and people and interrupting them. That people were doing that. Do they bring billboards to the screening and it's like keep nearly? Them it was nice. the most interruptive screening I've ever been in, so it is ironic. Interesting, interesting, an, interesting. See, it doesn't seem like a movie that that would that would lend itself to being interruptive. But... Hooting and hollering at the three billboards yeah. screening. <laughs> we hoot, uh, we holler. Interrupting. Did Did you guys want to hear what I had to say about him? I, I was going to ask you, David. Yes. Okay. Okay. I just thought I would interject. Thank you know, you. Since, yes. Uh, that's that's kind of my first. Here. Objection. Uh, I haven't seen upheld. anything. Obviously, I'm just. I have nothing to add. You've not seen In Bruges. No. No. Okay. I have. I have. I've seen In Bruges. I've actually seen a. You've seen Three Balls as well. All except for this. This latest one. Um. Oh. Okay. What's what's, what's, Bruges, what's your six obviously. shooter opinion? Go six shooter. Go. Um. Well, they're they're a very nice form of pistol that for God's were sakes. made um, uh, starting the through your views. Plus, uh, I, I adore In Bruges. Excellent. Um, Seven Psychopaths is fine. Um, thought Three Billboards was uh, better, but not as good as In Bruges. Mm-hmm. I love In Bruges. In Bruges is fantastic. Um, has anyone? We have a consensus. And, uh, I think we'll have a consensus throughout the podcast. Then, yeah, because I, we're I all on the so. same page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, has all right. So the the other two questions: um, Is anyone familiar with his theatrical work? Because he is a playwright as well as a filmmaker. No, not. I would like to be, but I'm not, um, unfortunately. I hear a lot of people that maybe don't like his films as much really like his plays. Apparently they're quite different. Though it still has that, that, that like style of wit and dialogue. Though I think they're seen as being a bit more kind of like literary and philosophical. So I'd be intrigued to see them. Um, has anyone seen... Though actually I have heard that this new film is more like his plays than his other films. So that's interesting to me. Um, has anyone seen his brother's film? Oh, no. Any of his brother's films? The Guard and Calvary. Um, John Michael McDonough. No. Um, also no the guard is fine calvary is utterly outstanding um and i hmm. think this movie definitely owes a debt to it they are different films but there's a lot of thematic and tonal similarity in the two movies and cast similarity and cast similarity yes (laughs) and positioning of the main character similarity yes interesting Um, i'll I mean, but you know, these are perennial films, perennial themes, sorry. So, The Banshees of Inner Sharon. Um, Calvin, you reviewed it for the site. Do you give us the the lowdown, the overview, and tell us why you love it so much? I love it because it shows me something I haven't seen, which is about male friendships and how uh, I think all men in my life that I know have 
an unfulfilled like male role that they're always looking for and something that they're seeking in their male friendships and uh, something they're missing. Um, there's something about like the new maleness I think is really confusing to a lot of men I know. Um, I show up every day like dropping my daughter off at school and I realize the men like their body language is so guarded. They all want to speak to each other but they're unable to really have compassionate talks and like meet together like the women who do the drop-offs right like I realize there is like a societal difference in the way men behave with each other and that we have to be like cutting toward each other before we could be accepting and uh before we're loving we have to cut each other down first and find out like it's a competition before it is like a okay I'm gonna have you over for tea and we're going to discuss like our our children and and how they're succeeding in life and how we're <laughs> we're doing such a great job at this but uh no, I think uh, with every man I know, uh, even like my father, it's like he's constantly seeking for something that he'll never have. Um, and I don't think that's not all men, uh, hashtag not all men, uh, but I do think that most men I know are always seeking and looking for something that they're never going to find. And I think it's a very frustrating existence that I, I think it also turns out like you, you show up one day and your friends are different. I mean, they, they have a kid, like uh, say like hmm. I had a kid and all my friends showed up and they're like, you're not the friend that I've always had. And like half my friends shut me out of their life. And I was like, well, all I, all that's happened is I have a kid and I'm happier now and I'm off drugs. And they're mm. like, well, you've changed and I don't need you in my life anymore. And I was like, holy shit. Like, okay. So I did something to improve myself. And that was like the splinter of my friend group is like, okay, I could keep half my friends because I've done something good. Um, and I, I don't think it's that way, especially for the women I know in my life. Like, they do a lot of self-improvement therapy, and they support each other in those acts. Um, but I found that always it's been difficult for me uh, mm. in that way. And I've always been looking for something. Uh, maybe people like that have always sought for, like, a stronger father figure than they have might always be seeking... Um, I don't want to like dress down my dad on my podcast, <laughs> on my, on my website, right? I like, uh, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't know how to access Calvin, podcasts. your therapies later today. <laughs> uh, I did go over it in like a whole, uh, a thing of therapy. I was like, I should have recorded this therapy call for the site. This is good material. Um, I talked about like the compassionate cinema of men that I'm really interested in, uh, which I keep going over is that I like, uh, films about compassionate men that, are about the commerce of their cows. Um, <laughs> uh, the last three movies of the year, First Cow, uh, Power of the Dog, and uh, Banshees of Inisherin, uh, have a lot of connective tissue for me. So uh, I adore it. Um, I, I liked everything about it. I uh, I sat there and I was like, it's not going to be for everyone, but uh, more people like it than I, I bargained for. Uh, Could have expected from Martin McDonough, but uh, I thought In Bruges was the only one that was that way. So uh, Yeah. Yeah. I... I like everything that you're saying as a very personal speech and i just don't feel that as reflective of the film that that i experienced at all which i think is also that telling thing of being like you you view the film for yourself and it's what you bring to it um mm -hmm. for me i got a very um unexploratory just presentation of just repressed silent men on screen and i'm kind of fed up of repressed silent men on screen and i agree that this may be a trope about masculinity but for me all the film does is show it to me again and doesn't really do anything with it and can't really bring it to any conclusion i was intrigued that um vaughn was writing and saying things about the thesis of the film and i actually to be honest found it quite difficult to pass what i think the film is trying to say so i'd like to pass over to vaughn there because i i need some clarity on what you think the film is doing 
Um, I mean, I, I think I can see where I you where both of you really are coming from there. I, I more obviously echo Calvin's thoughts yes. because it's one of my favorite films this year as well, and I really think that it is a much more interesting um, exploration of men and male friendship and kind of the structures that kind of build to these sort of male relationships than maybe you are giving it credit for, Stephen. But yeah, I really like it a lot. I think that... I don't think it's quite so, I'm trying to think of what the, the best way to phrase it is, I don't think it's quite so simple maybe as 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 that, where it's just silent men that are repressed. I think that there is stuff there, and I think that there is a lot of stuff that, thematically I think there's a lot of stuff on the surface that can be kind of seen that way, but I think that it gets into more of the why of it than a lot of other things do, a lot of mm. other things in that, in that realm. Um... Because I think that there is some obvious stuff there in terms of the way that it's talking about that repression and sort of the cycle of violence through men. But I think that there is there is a digging deeper there in that it gets to, like Calvin said, like the male desire for companionship and just for, for company and how the the way that our societal structures and culture kind of represses that. And then it just eventually sort of the the only option for the way that we have structured things is this this violent release and it just kind of shows how destructive and and unhealthy that is i think i i this is and i'm trying not to come across as competitive and being and i, I know that listeners will not agree with me and that's fine so if just those that are talking to me now just know that everyone else agrees with you um to me this film is just like very soft patriarchy it's this idea of being like if we reframe the narrative and there are, there are narratives that i avoid because this because i really don't like this kind of like trope of if we have the men talking about their feelings we can reposition cinema so it's still just like male dominated cinema and it's just these same stories but a little bit more reflective and i think the reason i feel it so much in this film is because the characters outside of the main pair i find so much more interesting in this film and have so much more to offer and the narrative consistently takes me away from them and to get into spoilers right away th- like this film has such short shrift for its like lead female character that it just invents a job that she didn't even apply for. It's not even part of the narrative to just take her away at a random point. So we can like focus back. So it's just a thing to be like, oh, there's a job, by the way, because that will make the narrative work a bit more and there'll be more isolation. It's just this very kind of like precision tooled way of just like fronting maleness consistently, which if I got the things out of it that Calvin did, I think maybe I'd appreciate that. Um or even more towards Vaughn did, but I don't see what's different about this film. I don't see what's hugely interesting about this film, apart from the dialogue is funny. Um, and the dialogue being Very funny. funny. Yeah, is, funniest it, film of the year by far. I, I agree. There aren't I do any agree. other films that are funny this year, but this I mean, one yeah. is the funniest. <laughs> I mean, true. We always go around to like, this is the best comedy in my ass because there aren't really any other comedies. Um, yeah. But I, I, everything, no, everything no. ever all at once, I think, was funnier. Um, yeah. But, Not for I, me, but yeah. I mean, mean, everything is subjective, but like the what you Mm -hmm. find as comedic is 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 even more so. The film is very, very funny because it's very, very written. And I think my issue with it is there is this huge specificity about the dialogue, um, in a kind of like so he's obviously a big Pinter. Harry Pinter is a huge inspiration. So Pinter is the kind of person that just like when there are like commas taken out of his scripts, he's like, no, go back and add that in because that's like really important. And there is this very precise way of speaking in this film and dialogue loops around and it just all feels very orchestrated. It all feels like that's a lovely, like nice little written line and it locks me off from the humanity all the way through. It feels like a lot of people reading a play script at each other, which to me is not helped by the 
like the syntax of the film. I don't think it's a very like interesting looking film. I think in a share in the fake place where they shot it is a pretty looking place that is not shot very interestingly. I don't think it speaks with the camera that much. I don't think it speaks cinematically that much. It has a lot of people say dialogue that a lot of the jokes are funny, but a lot of the jokes are like, if we put a rude word in here, we'll get a giggle. I don't. Yeah, I just don't think I, I quite agree there. I think especially the the way that it's shot, I totally get the opposite out of it. I think that it's shot very well, and I think that it's very effective in the way that it sets up those shots. And I do think that it, it speaks cinematically to to what it's setting up. I think there's a lot of stuff in there that is sort of the way that it's shot that echoes the the way that the characters are interacting with each other, and it's splitting people off and and putting them into different places and kind of isolating them um with the camera as much as the film is isolating them emotionally hmm. yeah i would say uh like the conveyance of what uh indashiran is is like this coastal uh, place like right off ireland i love yeah so much that it doesn't get into the actual civil war but also it doesn't create a false metaphor of like oh this is a civil war between men like it doesn't like fall into the does. bullshit i think it does i think it totally does i don't think I, it does I, I think at the it... end there's that line at the end where it's just like oh who are they even fighting for anyway these things like this is such like a defeatist nihilistic view of being like and no, these things just continue I... and the context doesn't matter conflict is just conflict it does the literally it's the end there of the it's there but i don't think it's the crux of the movie i don't think it's like the emotional center of the movie is uh, there, there's not like this. I mean, they're separated from the war in this false island, um, which is a lot of. Uh, I think the like proper use of CG, like covering up things that are there to yeah. like convey a sense of space that's actually uh, not real at all. Um, a lot of uh, foreground, background stuff. I think the details are very interesting. A lot of pathways that uh, uh connect the towns. Uh, I love mm. the space and like the physical uh, sense of like him herding his cattle, like such a lonely job, and then. Um, also like Gleason coming by eventually and, uh, like picking him up and, um, just the, like the absence of, of friendship and, and them still needing each other. The, the important thing for me is that they still require each other and they benefit so much from each other, even when they're totally at odds and give each other total silence. I think they still love each other so much that they're not able to separate, um, totally. Uh, they still require and need so much of each other and they've decided that, uh, a friendship can't work. Uh, I mean, he's uh, threatened him outright. And I think it's the most brilliant script of the year. I, I wish that uh, um, we agreed on that, but it's fine that we don't. I uh, Maybe maybe that kind of like a prescriptive, like a, a Bon Mott led, like a... Yeah. Like a... I don't know, maybe that like a very obvious screenplay of it all just works for me. Maybe I accepted it at face value. It's, I think, again... Another crux for me is that the film was built around this idea of, like, not wanting to be friends with people anymore um, because you find them boring. And I, I guess, like, so you've got two characters, right? And I think, actually, here's my thing. I can't relate this movie because I'm neither mean nor boring. And, like, I feel like <laughs> that is the way in. You've got mean man, don't like him. That ain't me. Then you've got boring dude. I agree. He's actually very boring. He is very boring. He's I mean, very boring. Yeah. The other guy is kind of insufferable. I don't want to spend time with either of them. I want to go, <laughs> yeah. like, the, the donkey rules. I want to spend time with the donkey as well. Um, and Shabon, I, I want to spend time with his sister Siobhan's and uh, some great. of the side characters. And I, for me, like, the side characters being so much larger than the central characters is almost the point. Like, uh, his nothingness so is almost the point of uh, his character. Um, and his sister having so much more that she would be sought out. And she would be brought away. I think it's also the point. He has no opportunity for that ever. Um, uh, 
for I mean, for me, that's not male centering so much as him being a lost male that can never achieve anything more than donkey herding. Yeah, I mean, I, I think for me the, it works because those side characters being sidelined like that, I think, just speaks to the way that it's like these these characters, these main characters, these main male characters are mm. so horrendously uninteresting and they don't really yes. have that much that they're trying to offer and they are just completely dominating the space through their misery and yes. it, just, <laughs> it just ruins everyone else around them because these two men are so miserable and, and can't solve any of their problems in any healthy way. So that works for me. I don't really get that. I mean, I do like the, the side characters and I do want more of them, but I think that it is being effective in the way that it's portraying that. I, I just, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, you are right. And it, it is an interesting approach. I guess it's just, that is so utterly uninteresting to me. It's just like the fronting the thing that is not appealing as a way of revealing the thing that is appealing in another kind of narrative. Like, I just feel like I've been there. I feel like I've done this. I feel like I've seen these kind of people having these kind of like grouchiness. Whereas some of the side characters, I feel like I've not seen films that explore perspectives before. And I want to have that. I guess like, if we go back to the things we seek in film, I think to a fault, I seek novelty and I seek the new experiences. And this one has given me so little of that. And I feel like there is very little progression from beginning to end. And I get that that's purposeful. I get that's part of it. It's kind of like malaise. But it's such an uninteresting malaise to me. And it's I think it's got a manufactured malaise. I don't get much honesty and truth from this film. And obviously that's because I'm bringing towards the different things. But I, I, I see nothing of reality here. I see construction. And I see everyone think, working as foils. And when Vaughn talks about it, and Cam talks about it very, very well, you're revealing it to be very mechanical to me. And it, and it feels very mechanical. This is there to do this. And this is there to do this. And the piece is just there. Sure, but if all the pieces in the film attribute uh, to something that I like in yeah. cinema. And they all build towards something. Yeah. Uh, like, fundamental newness. Like, what's another film that's exclusively about the ending of male friendship? I mean, that's a lot of themes in movies. I, but, I feel like, like yeah. what like, movie's about that? I, but I don't know if this movie's really about that either. I don't think it, it, it really has anything interesting to bring about it. I think it's just another just like, here is like a, a troubled romance film. It's Step Brothers. This one was Step Brothers. Oh, what a comparison. I mean, no, but it is though. Like, this, this, I get this... it though. I love Step Brothers. That's it, one of the greatest yeah, Step movies. Brothers, yeah, Step Brothers, exactly. Why aren't I watching Step Brothers? Like... I think that's a, a very uh, a good... Um compliment to the film this needs more activities this needs more room for activities there are not enough activities in this film <laughs> what the no, fuck, I... You fuck um <laughs> i get it i mean it really comes down to like you said it's what you want out of something and mm. you know if it's if the film is presenting something that you are not looking for out of a film then yeah i mean it's it's obviously not going to be particularly interesting i think a lot of it is and it can, you know, certainly I think be a knock against it, but it's it's what you are willing to sort of put into it. And if you can see the film and, and see things that you want reflected in film mm. and you can kind of find the reflections of your own experiences in there, then it works. And if you're not interested in those things and you don't want to see those things and it doesn't offer anything to you, then it's totally understandable that Thank you. the mechanicalness of it doesn't work. You know I think what? I feel so unfussed by it because the expectation <laughs> I expected from everyone watching the film is the yeah. same as Steven's. I, I watched <laughs> the film and I was like, everyone else is going to hate it. So I'm only giving it a 10 and it's going to be my film. Then all my friends are like, it's a 10. I'm like, mm, I, yeah. I, 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 feel like, I feel like I've watched a different film, genuinely. And which maybe, maybe they showed the wrong movie. Maybe they showed me Step Brothers and I was like, why is everyone so excited about Step Brothers? No, again? I think it's I've an unlikable film. I, um, I think it, it has unlikable characters. It's not a nice film. Um, it's a very dark comedy. I... 
I want to bring up two points that I that again I think it, it never gets on its side, and I think I don't trust Martin McDonough. I mean, fundamentally, I also heard an interview with him before the movie in which, but loads of filmmakers come across terribly. I love their movies, but he came across like awfully and was just like talking about how he was getting into the things of being like being limited in comedy nowadays, etc., etc., um, and how n- no one should tell him what to say and he should put whatever. And it's like, I get what he's trying to say, Scurs. but like the rhetoric that he's tying to it is just like, yeah. he, he seems like an ass, but he, he makes films I like, and that's most people. I've been watching James Cameron films recently. Um, I like a lot of them. James Cameron is obviously an ass, but whatever. Mm-hmm. There, I, I can separate these things. But there were a couple moments. So one, there was a bit where I thought the um, domestic abuse was a punchline, like a visual joke of like it gets a lot of humor out of like this like kid got beat up by like abusive dad and i did not like that that was not treated with like a degree of sincerity um it was part of the throwaway flippant nothing kind of matter stuff is how it hit me and there was a confessional gay panic scene which was like movie can we just not we don't need to like have jokes like no homo jokes basically in this movie what so there was are that few... one i don't that's the when they're talking in confession it's like you know, are you lusting after the man? It's okay. Men lust after the oh, No, right. I don't lust after yeah. men. You don't lust after men. No, I don't lust after men. I'm not gay. You're not gay. And it was just like a back and forth. I'm not gay. You're not gay bit for a while. And I'm like, in this film about like intimate, close friendships, can we actually challenge some certain ideas and be more open as opposed to being like this kind of like lockdown, repressed thing? I, I don't know. Like it, it is so in tune with the thing that it's offering. Vaughn, it's correct. But I want the deconstruction of that thing because I don't know if I believe in that thing. Hmm. I think that's totally fair. I mean, like both of the things that you mentioned there, I think you're absolutely right. They they are should probably in all actuality be presented in a better way and be more sincere or challenge those structures in a better way. But for me watching it, I never quite Mm. got that sense of it. I was, it kind of, to me was just more reflective of this idea of the the male insecurity that causes the conflict in the film in the first place. And that this stuff just, just comes out in these terrible ways. And I think, the policeman character is an interesting representation of that sort of insecurity and repression and i get it because you're right that that the domestic abuse stuff could certainly be presented with more sincerity and should be challenged more but in the moment i didn't have that feeling of like Mm. this is being presented poorly i just got this more of a sense that it was working in tune with what the film was already doing which goes back to like you, you make a pact of a film and like when a film has you like it just right. has you and when a film doesn't have you you because like we've said from Scott so many times you can rip apart even your favorite movie of being like that act doesn't work yeah. and really think about it and it's it's all about like meeting the film halfway because it makes you want to meet it halfway like we we do converse with films we watch them and it's the moment you are out of that conversation because films are inherently artificial, all the artifice rises to the top. Right. And just like, yeah, no. And then you're just like, I mean, I don't hate the film. I think it is funny. I think it is good. I just found it completely unremarkable. Um, and maybe that's a way of expectation thing, but I don't think I'm usually swayed that way. But maybe, the, I mean, but maybe it is. Maybe it's like I was expecting it to be a thing that it was not. Maybe if I returned to it, I'd like it more, but I, there's nothing in it that makes me want to return to it. It did sound like you were asking it to be a different movie than I think mm. it ever intends to be. I think it can be tenuous. Like, as I was watching it, I was like, if anything goes wrong here, I'm kind of out on yeah. all of this. Uh, but for me, the things didn't go wrong. I, I, for me, I guess the gay panic is another failure of male uh, communication and men not being able to understand uh, uh, deep feeling and compassion, and they have to confuse it with uh, fear of other men and fear don't of you feel this, homosexuality and fear this of film has things. such a like just narrow and essentialist view that like there's this this film is so just like defining and I, 
It does, yeah. But I think that's the the character. I guess it it just it, but it doesn't find a foil. I I don't like films that that present things without challenge. I guess, and there are ways you can challenge things. And I think because the central narrative is a truth, but not the truth, I I find that unsatisfying. I just love the idea of a film That's that funny. begins as funny. everything was fine yesterday and we don't get to see any of the fineness of the like we don't get to see any of their connection or yeah. uh, we don't get to see like any of their joy or what actually brought them together we just get to see them departing and uh um but but then we start seeing pieces of it in the way that they need each other and i think it does actually confront yeah. a lot of ideas about male friendship and compassion and and uh for me it does have challenges in it um but uh, yeah, yeah, it's not challenging itself. It's not deconstructing itself at all. Um, I'm fine with that because I was on yes. board. Like I say, I thought it was very tenuous watching it. I looked around. Everyone in the audience looked uncomfortable and disinterested but me. And I was like, well, I mean, they, yeah, I, nobody's going to like this. I, I, me, I don't so. find the narrative structure particularly at all. Like, there are so. just like things just like happen. And like it is it is kind of like very episodic. And because I guess because I'm not there for character. Because mm. I love many movies that are like episodic and just like not. And just things happen like that. Because I'm not there for character. Um, what do you? What do we think about this? Like the central part of the cutting fingers off bit, because that that becomes really the plot of the movie of that he is just going to keep cutting his own fingers off. Um, I, it, it's an interesting narrative device, but and I I can kind of get the sense that it. I mean, it is certainly far fetched in in the sense that like who would ever do that? But that that's the part that that sort of works for me is like this response to a desire to just be want to be left alone is so ridiculous because there is no interest in actually confronting your own feelings or understanding mm. your own feelings and it's easier to just mutilate yourself <laughs> than to actually understand why you might not be interested in someone else's presence i and i i think the mutilation's so interesting because of course he right. can't yeah. do the thing that he's setting out the time to do because he's self-destructing in a way like uh, yeah. all he wants yeah, to do yeah. is I mean, play it's, his it's, uh, what is it a fiddle violin yeah. i forget uh, no. uh, yeah oh yeah sure it's some kind of fiddle yeah uh but uh any every time he cuts his fingers of course he can no longer play exactly the uh the increasingly difficult like uh sea shanty songs that he's like trying to play on there and uh, uh-huh. um you know, he's trying to play in tribute, and he's like trying to invite all these men that are uh, more learned than this guy, who's just a, a sheep or a, a farmer. Uh, what would you say? Yeah, I mean, he just he is. He he's exists. A, a cattle herder. <laughs> which is which is um, which I which I do like that. I, yeah, he just is. I guess it's almost like a fun joke, but yeah. like the joke to me I, is like... that it's such a heavy hand, and I, it's ironically heavy hand. Obviously, he's lightening his hand in doing this, but it is such <laughs> such a heavy handed stupid just yes. like blunt i just it, it's such a device there to shock you for me and if it was in a yorgos lantimos movie that was like in keen like if this movie like accelerated more and like push into it if it dialed more on like uh-huh. podrick doing like when Podrick does that really mean thing like if it like totally got them into that thing of like even like the end of phantom fred to an extent you were like oh we're gonna, we're in this dynamic now i feel like if it found that new dynamic it would be mm-hmm. more interesting as opposed to like here's a shocking thing here's another shocking thing and now back to the beach well i feel like everyone could feel a bit like patriarch a bit like calm i feel like everyone has a bit of that too where they want to go into their arts and kind of set aside their friendships or their 
their family for a bit and be like, I just need to kind of devote, why are people in my life keeping me from the things I need to do? Um, why are the people who think they care about me actually in the way of the, the pursuits that I want? Um, so, I mean, I, I could relate on both sides because mm. I pushed so many friendships away just to, like trying to like write and like trying to yeah. be yeah, like, yeah. I don't, I don't want your influence in my life because I think you're a bad person and are very dull. Um, so I'm like, I just want to like go write and I don't want to be around uh, just simple American people that don't have a lot of value for me. Um, so, uh, you know, you choose your friends very carefully, but, uh, but I feel both sides of it. I'm like, I, I understand one to like dev devote yourself to like a higher art and form than just like dull conversations at the bar, which I've wasted plenty of time on myself. And, uh, I need I more well, th than that. That's where I think I just philosophically part ways the film because I feel like it it sets up a dichotomy that like it, I don't think either side is pretty well argued or justified because like to to go back to a joint favorite of ours here like the everything everywhere all at once which is not a joint favorite because I guess David is here um, but um, mm -hmm. yep, arg yep. arguably here um, a joint favorite like <laughs> that idea that if we accept like meaningless ephemera the idea that the of crafting meaning and if, if nothing matters that things matter is so much more important and like to me he is so evidently false of it, it, it is the small moments that matter completely and when there is that quite good speech about this person like who remembers who in the past etc etc that's such an interesting line and there's a great line from Siobhan there of like the correcting thing and I feel the film just doesn't engage in that argument very interestingly because I think that that's the interesting argument of actually it is the small things that make life and are are aimed to go at the big thing and what's the point of being remembered when you're not around and because the film goes towards wants to make jokes and be shocking it loses me on that ground as well I mean I will I think that just kind of goes back to like maybe you're just looking for a different movie i won't say that i disagree necessarily because i do think it that's that is worth exploring more and the film doesn't quite get that latch on to that enough mm. um, but it's kind of the same thing where i was on board enough with the movie yeah. that I, I i saw the the interest in exploring that kind of clash between the the inability to sort of be honest with yourself and the people around you and like the sort of cultural drive for exceptionalism and, and whether that's really warranted yeah. or not and how that ends up kind of being self-destructive when that's your only focus is this mm. sort of idea of, of leaving legacy as opposed to just being nice, you know, which I think is, yeah. I do like that conversation well, a lot. I, I, yeah, I feel like there's not enough movies that focus on the need to be nice instead of being exceptional also. <clears throat> and But then also, like, there's the, the thing about, like, niceness versus kindness, which is also very, very interesting of, like, Podrick is nice is he a kind man is he a good man no not particularly and again mm -hmm. that's that's interesting got to me and it goes back to for me these characters feel like vessels for script um they are there to to give these like very curated lines and i don't you could say that about any reality. movie i feel like i don't think I, you could i really don't think you could i think like most good movies you don't feel the script you you, you feel people on screen mm -hmm. that's why we, we love films that's like, you, it doesn't feel written it feels transportive this feels I mean, like maybe a, I love this, films a, a that feel written. Maybe I'm like a Eric maybe. Romero I mean, maybe I, true, true. Maybe I want the director to feel like an author. Uh, maybe yeah, that's I mean, all I ever wanted. Yeah. Doesn't that go back to sort of what you were saying about you could ostensibly kind of pick apart any of your favorite films? Like it's just like if you if you <laughs> yeah. can find that in and and if you can see through something, then you're yeah. going to just see through it and you're going to look at knowing that there are you know people behind the camera and that this is being constructed <laughs> and made, but. 
again if you're on board with it then that's yeah. not something that you're noticing as well and it's just like it seems like this is just not a film that you were ever really on board with in that sense yeah which is a shame i mean i was at the beginning because the beginning is very very funny it's, it's, it's a really great premise that said it being like i just don't want to be friends anymore like that, that that's such such a great way in and i just felt it did literally nothing with it and i liked every other character more and i really do think the sidelining of siobhan is just awful i think it's so I love gives her such short I, shrift exactly she's so if it were much another more movie would i have loved her though um if it were a movie about her would that would that have, would she have mattered i don't know it, but there is I, I don't know the film that's like that follows characters like her or follows characters like um oh what's his name that i like um what's the actor's name uh barry keegan is that yeah but the, the, the like yeah, the, yeah. the more barry keegan character the yoga slanthamos movie hanging out in the corner like the, the yoga slanthamos movie <laughs> yes, not the almost is is way because like when he ends up dead you're like there was another film here and it seems like more bitter and twisted and interesting um but again that's it like these these characters have such pointless gravity yeah. of like they are they are just they are centralizing themselves even though that they are so ultimately unimportant and that's kind of what yeah. works for me is like yeah. if you center if you do center a movie on those other characters then maybe they're not as interesting maybe they are interesting because they've been sidelined um, but i think just... that kind of like shaban's story is like she only succeeds by just completely abandoning these men who cannot do anything but bring everyone into their destructiveness yeah and i think that works if like she's just she's gone and she's successful and she's forgotten completely about whatever is happening there and she's like you can come with me and also forget about this but he refuses to do that I just and her that only just reflective of a gross societal trend they're not me just like laughing along with it that doesn't this movie just like laugh may just like laugh along <laughs> with just watching the grossness of the patriarchy on screen again we're like <laughs> at least it's funny this time like but in and her only compatriot this other guy we're talking about uh what's his name what's that character's name dominic yeah dominic maybe uh dominic yeah. was uh just like lusting after her and she has like no formal interest in him all the men around those, her are those so two horrible. bits are great those the, the, their dynamic is really interesting it the is donkey's good. really uh, interesting yes. the dog is really interesting that's good I think too. So too yeah I like I think that the, the animals mentioned... are characters, yeah. I feel like none of the reviews or, like, any of the conversations I see, like, mention, like, the fates that are kind of just, like, in the background of a lot of uh, uh, shots mm. and scenes, and they're uh, just, like, this foreboding thing that just never gets mentioned about this movie. It's just, like, all this suggestion of, of predeterminism or, like, a... Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't quite, like, know if Banshees of Inishirin is even the best name for the movie, uh, because... I do like that line in the movie, like when they do unpick the title, and then just like yes. oh, maybe, maybe it's just because I like how it sounds. I like the sh the yeah. repetition, <laughs> like that is, I, which is again like I think the film for me is is trying to be deep, but it's not a very deep film, and it's better as a comedy. You which you I think is just like you... <laughs> and then occasionally Stephen... just like kills a donkey for no reason. I'm like, what, what that again just seems just like harsh, pointless, and just nihilistic. Stephen just wanted to be watching in Bruges, which you know what—that's valid. <laughs> I get that. Yeah. Just yeah, I, I I think it's just ideologically, McDonald and I just don't see eye to eye. Um, and I like him when he's funny, and when he is trying to make points, I find him quite frustrating. Um, but that's maybe a problem with me rather than with him. The films. Oh, it's uh, it's so hard. Do they let you be funny anymore? You know what I mean. Exactly, that's the issue. Yeah. I want, please, Martin, be funny. Why are we not letting you be funny anymore? Yeah, uh, uh, people keep stopping him from being funny, like uh, three billboards. Uh, uh, nobody let him be funny in that movie. Please, please, um, please watch Calvary. All the people here, because like, I'll watch it. Absolutely. Do, do, yeah. do you know the premise of the film? I don't. 
So the premise of the film, and see if this like it's it's not similar, but it's not dissimilar. Is so um, there is a a good and honest man, and this guy decides he's going to kill him because he's a good man, and that is a meaningful act to kill a good person. Of I'm going to kill you because you're a good person, and he decides I'm going to kill a priest. I'm, like, I'm going to kill a priest in seven days. I'm going to kill a priest, and he enacts these like seven like stations of the cross kind of thing, or like these seven symbolic acts building up to that. And it is this kind of like it, it has a lovely rumination on like what the church has done, and can a man be held responsible for the sins of the church if there is a good man in an immoral institution? Can there be a good man in an immoral institution? There's so many just like fundamentally fantastic ideas in there. He has a really great relationship with a daughter. Um, Domhnall Gleeson's in it as well as like a like a cannibal um, that's locked up and there's like a great conversation oh. that they have together this idea of being like this like want of like salvation and forgiveness like there's already this film about the same actor playing this like lonely closed off character and a lot of these themes and it's written in a similar way because they're brothers and they're quite similar writers and I really really love Calvary and I guess I should just watch Calvary again it already exists um, so yeah, I mean, maybe I'll a- do that a perfect example of like when you have especially it's it's interesting that there's like these two movies that are not like you said not dissimilar but you know you take your own personal ideology into it and even though they are not completely far apart just the the slight difference in approach it's like one thing can totally work for you because it speaks to your personal Mm. ideology more and one obviously speaks to kind of the opposite of that and so it doesn't work for you which of course is, is totally totally understandable so yeah, watch Calvary. I, I I cannot imagine you not. I don't. I don't think you like it as much as this film at all. Um, and I don't know if I would like like it as much because I saw it at the cinema a couple of times since, but a long time ago. Um, but I especially can't imagine Calvin not liking this film. I think you really been really like Calvary. Calvary. Um, there's exactly. been several times where I've uh, seen the trailer for it, and I thought that was a me movie. So I think. I, mm, I really think I it is. I should recommend it, it to you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think you get a lot out of it. So that's 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 that is my. Re- I know we do recommendations at the end. That's my recommendation early on. Um, Calvary. Okay. It's a wonderful film. Any more any more thoughts at this time about the Banshees yeah, yeah. of Actually, I, I, okay. I had some thoughts. Yeah, sure. cool. Interject here and, and give you. Actually, uh, I know I've been a little bit quiet. Uh, it's almost like you haven't here, seen the movie. A... No, no, I have now. Actually, I was skimming through it <laughs> when you guys were discussing. Um, so I, I thought I would give my my thoughts here uh, based on because I was I was watching and listening yeah. to you guys at the same time. And I found uh, by the end that, uh, Stephen, I really agreed with a lot of your critiques uh, with the film. I think they're really on point where the film kind of doesn't get things right uh, on a lot of it or just seems to be uh, aiming for something it's not really uh, going through with or, you know, its, it's strengths are, you know, less in, in, you know, in certain departments than others. But then uh, Vaughn's uh, counterpoints really, I think, uh, fleshed out the, the real strengths of the film and where it gets a lot of its uh, pathos, you know, really well down and it communicates a lot of those uh, loftier themes that uh, you seem to not see as much in it. And then Calvin's personal perspective, I think, really shined a light on how touching the film can be and how affecting and, you know, uh, you know, r- really special that particular uh, McDonough approach to, to filmmaking uh, makes a lot of his films here. So I think, uh, in general, you guys really communicated all the, the same takeaways that I had from the film uh, going through it just now. Uh, so yeah, I was, I was happy. It's to like we've got an episode of spoiling things this about this episode of spoiling things. It's like yeah, it's, <laughs> we're getting a live review of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it's like well, yeah, we, we were the podcast that you've just listened to, and now you're giving a take on me. Like yeah, I found Stephen kind of annoying, but I always do. That's kind of like his appeal, and ultimately his charm. Vaughn was very understanding and said some very sage points, and was just great presence. And Calvin was really touching and intimate. Like yes, I know that's the that's the show. <laughs> <laughs>
that's all of us on the website and what we represent, right? So oh, that's uh, God. Yeah. thanks thank so much, you, David. Thank you, David. Thank you. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm glad, glad I could weigh in. Yeah, I'm glad you're uh, sitting in, though. It's a fun, unique dynamic. That we, have <laughs> we need, like, a producer oh, sitting yeah. in that we could yeah, kind of, like, yeah, yeah, when the shows go off the yeah. rails. Yeah, yeah so... You know, I, I just appreciate being part of the process. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm glad that through left. Um, it was the, the, the right decision to make. Um, Vaughn, do we, have like an, do we have any emails? Exactly, yeah. This <laughs> podcast supports sidelining women. Um well, okay, well, I didn't say that. <laughs> don't, don't, don't ascribe that to me. That's not what I want. All right, well, how many women have you had on the show? Go. <laughs> Go on and email us. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I do have some emails from, from some familiar names. <laughs> um, okay, okay. You know... What we could do, we might as well do. David, don't um, read your own email. David, yeah, why don't we just why, why don't we just have everyone read their own submissions? <laughs> no, I didn't email. Well, we'll have Stephen do we'll a read. Zero zero. <laughs> we'll have Stephen do a read for the mysterious anonymous listener who wrote it. Yeah, I think you should really respect them when they say they wish to remain anonymous. I think it's actually a real breach of confidentiality and of trust to out them like that. I didn't know you were pro outing Vaughn. I didn't out anyone. I said you can read for the anonymous okay, listener. I will read for the anonymous listener. <laughs> Dave, you have, go you ahead. Have, you have to send me the email because okay, okay, I don't I guess, have I guess it. I'll read this. I'll read this first email that was sent in. <clears throat> Dear spoilers, I heard through the grapevine, or perhaps telekinetic intuition, that nobody emailed in this week. How sad. Now, some may point to a lack of rallying by the spoiling team, TM, just before recording. But I like to think it's because the show has lost touch with its roots. Yes. We need to get back to the core conceit of this program, which, if you'll remember, is complaining about movies that recently came out. <laughs> Steven, Vaughn, third person, if you happen to be there. I guess fourth person now. Please let me know five films you're not looking forward to seeing in the near future. Mm. Your beloved and likely only <laughs> David. And not listening this time because you're on it. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I did listen. We've, we've, I yeah, we've, we've lost a listener. Um, ooh. <laughs> can I give you two stri- <sighs> hmm. hmm I have to pull up a list of what's coming yeah. next year yeah. first of all I'll give uh, you one straight away Avatar 2 uh, that's also on my list <laughs> I, I, I'm looking forward to Avatar 2 I did put together a little list here of upcoming films that I am not okay. excited about so I'll start while you guys kind of look through and compile yeah. Thanks uh, for I, just, I just binged upcoming films and it says Wonder Woman 1984 <laughs> <laughs> very reliable Bing. That's how, that's how behind the time Bing is. Maybe Bing isn't great. <laughs> <laughs> you realize um, now. Yeah. Uh, top of my list. Bad I guess Boys this is already <laughs> Minecraft. Minecraft. Is that even still happening? I don't even know anymore. Is the Minecraft actually maybe? coming out? The Division. Yeah, the Division. Okay. Yeah, that's always. Yeah, that's definitely happening. <laughs> Bing is just giving you film adaptations of Microsoft properties. <laughs> A new series of Halo. <laughs> that Gears of War film that we said we may be making. Okay, but you said you have a list? Is that true? Yeah, I do. Uh, at, at the top of my list, I have Amsterdam, just because I'll probably end up watching it before the end of the year. Because, it's terrible. Yeah, but I'm not looking forward to that at all. 
Also Avatar 2, because I just really do not like Avatar and I'm not looking forward to a sequel to it, but also we'll see it anyway. Yeah. Um, and then other, like, actually more upcoming stuff. Um, not really looking forward to the Super Mario Bros. movie that oh, yeah. doesn't seem like it's going to be very good. Stephen, were you saying you are excited? Yeah, I think, I think it's really good. I thought the trailer was very... Apart, apart from the obvious thing of Chris Pratt being bad, I thought the trailer was really good. And I laughed, and it looks like a fun film. I, I think so, too. I agree with you, Stephen. And we've gotten a lot of meme potential out yeah. of it already. Mario? Yeah. Mario, okay. All right, well, maybe I'm the only one not excited for it. Um, let me know if anyone here is excited for Knock at the Cabin, the new Shyamalan movie, which I am also not excited oh, for. Oh, I kind of am, though. Like, I kind of like, am, yeah. Yeah, like, in the same Stephen, way that... you watched old. <laughs> no, exactly. And old was interesting. It's not old, but... You thought old was interesting? No, as a podcast on old, which I exists. I'm I'm glad that old exists in the world, as opposed to most bland movies. Like at least it was utterly terrible. Okay, (laughs) interesting (laughs) perspective. I I don't think there's there's much redeemable about old. Um, More complete, just like wild swings and misses from unproblematic filmmakers. I'm totally fine with. I can't argue with that. That's fair. Um, I And then my final film here that we did briefly mention on uh, Calvin and I's last recording, but I am very much not excited for Scream 6 because Scream 5 oh, is not Oh, God, good. yeah. No, me neither. It's the same yeah. people as well, isn't it? Oh. Yeah. And Calvin it's this right. year, this coming year, so that's really fast. As far around. as I know, yeah. 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 Um, you got some movies, Calvin, because I've now got I, some. I should. Um... Go ahead, Stephen. <laughs> okay, uh, Joker two could not give less of a shit about. Okay, um, okay. Folly totally adieu. But it's, um, it's going to be a musical. Deadpool three again. Um, also fair. Yeah, I don't really could, care about the could whole. Could not give less Wolverine's of a crap about. Thing is um, there may be a theme to this list. <laughs> 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 I wonder what it is. But I'm going to change it now with Oppenheimer. Um, I am unbelievably skeptical of Oppenheimer. I don't want it to exist. I don't want it from that filmmaker, and I don't want to have watched it. Um, feel free oh, to ignore me be- because of that statement. Um, that's absolutely fine. Um, I kind of want to say Transformers. I'm going to say Transformers: Rise of the Beasts because that's a thing. Because I like Beast Wars, and it's going to trick me into watching it. So I'm going to give you I that. Well. Um, Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy Volume Three. Oh, please, not another one. And a Quiet Place Day One. Why are we making another Quiet Place? The second one was not good. I didn't like the second one, so I'm not well, interested in another one. For me, it's just like abject like disinterest in things being made, which is a a, a split one for my first one, which is David Gordon Green's The Exorcist. Just such a beloved really movie excited for me. that movie. Really excited. I, I want to be. I want to be. So I'm either extremely excited or yeah. I'm hesitant about the discourse and I don't want a big modernized exorcist discourse in my life. Um, if it goes badly, I don't want that in my life. Um, uh, the Flash, I don't want a discourse on anymore. I'm tired of the Flash discourse. Uh, Is that even what what come are you looking out? at here? Yeah, the Flash is going to come out and I'm not excited. Um as nobody yeah, I'm not be. excited either. That seems like one that I'll probably just avoid. It's really easy for me at this point to avoid DC stuff. I just don't yeah. care. Yeah, I just I didn't see Black Adam, and I think yeah, I'm kind of out. I. Uh, I don't I don't give a shit about DC. I uh, went to see. Black I watched Adam Batman. Uh, I like ba- I like the Batman. Um, what else? Uh, what else is there that were were uh, Winnie the Pooh, the uh, horror movie about Winnie the Pooh? <sighs> That's not a movie. Not we should not talk that. about that like it's a film. We're not excited <laughs> for that true. discourse. Um, 
Oh, it's a lot of discourse-based stuff. I, I yeah, never want to say that I'm not going to like a movie before because I like to be an impartial critic that someone could like read and be like, that person didn't make up their mind before. Uh, the Nun, too. I hate The Nun. Um, so I hate the just quiet, loud horror movies yeah, that just yeah. like fluctuate between like um, just quiet suspense and then just yelling at you. I, I fucking hate the James Wan uh, horror movie canon of the last 20 years. Fuck off, James Wan. But uh, Malignant's great, so... <laughs> yeah, that's just like just a bit more that, we're, we're getting a lot of yeah, takes yeah. in right here. Um, so my my surprising <laughs> corner, surprising corner of you know what film I'm really looking forward to? Bones and all. Cannot wait for Bones and all. Really want to see that. Yeah. Looks looks like completely my jam. Um, and I'm hoping to really, really like it. Even though, I've done, even though I've not liked his previous films that much, the kind of like decadent weird cannibal movie that it seems to be seems like my kind of thing and i'm like yeah actually bones and all it's great and i hope you like it i was actually surprised really because really I know you excited have... for bones and all i like the trailer the... a lot um what about the i honestly don't know how sincere you're being right now I no no I, re- I, no I really really, <laughs> okay. really excited it's I think great it looks, it looks really, really cool i like the trailer the adaptation I of like the color purple how do we feel about that that, that sounds uh i didn't like watch the previous discourse. one so me neither uh, i read the book book's good Ready for Barbie. Um, that's oh, ready, a discourse I'm ready, ready for. Ready Player 2. Are they making Ready Player 2? Probably. I think so, maybe. I don't know. Oh, wait, I um, know. Empire of Light. I have no interest in Empire of Light. Please, we stop it, making movies like this. I'm seeing it in two days, so we'll see. Uh, I do like Sam Mendes, so I'll see. Really? If I like Why? It. Anyone, yeah. anyone that wants to give Trent Reznor money is fine, so... What, even Hitler? <laughs> okay, God. Okay, let's, let's move on to this anonymous email. I'll, I'll, just, I'll just say for myself on the topic, uh, oh, I'm, I'm not interested in, in 90% of whatever is coming out. Not because I think anything is going to be bad. I'm just I'm not watching a lot of current You watched movies. The Banshees so, of the Sharon. I, I did. I mean, I skimmed it. Does that really count? Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll let the audience decide are if there, I watched it David, or not. better questions. Are there any upcoming movies yeah. you are excited about? It's Avatar 2, isn't it? It's Avatar 2. You're going to see Avatar Is there too. anything you'll go see that you're like, name five I mean, movies that you're it's actually getting, it's going getting to see? It's getting real awards season-y. It's, it's getting really cloying here pretty soon. So You're going to see Avatar 2. It would be a shame yeah, if someone are. made a podcast yeah, about awards season. You're going you're gonna to be a little wet underwater boy. You're going to have a ton of time. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, so I'm, there's I'm not nothing? Return to Pandora. Come on. Don't pretend <laughs> you're not. I'm trying to think. Maybe maybe if you remind me. Of something, I don't know. You, you guys have said a lot here, though, so. I'm interested to see what the what the spoilers are going to cover. It sounds There's like Mario is your most exciting movie that's coming out. <laughs> maybe <laughs> yeah, maybe a most like most anticipating Mario. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. So since Stephen doesn't have access to this, I'm going to send this email, and Thank Stephen you. can read from this anonymous listener. No one knows who this was that sent this in. Do, do you have keep my email? Don't tell my email is to put it in the chat because I don't know if that's how you send it back. To uh, me. No, I'm just going to put it in the chat. <laughs> Here you go. This is this is our email that Stephen's going to read. Well, it opens with the line, "I wish to remain anonymous," so I, I, I will I will honour that. I read Stephen's perceptive review of McDonald's latest and agreed with every word of it. My question: What are your favourite Stephen reviews, and what words in those reviews do you most agree with? I will say this anonymous person that wrote in also signed off, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I really understand the way that this is written. Well, they want the person. I understand this. They want the person that reads the email to know who it's from, but uh-huh. they wish to stay anonymous because you know the internet's a scary place, and I respect okay, their anonymity. Gotcha. I would not read out the name they signed off with. Okay. <laughs> well, I think uh, uh, my favorite. Uh, 
Steven reviews are all under the count zero zebra on Letterboxd. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What about that true. blowout? That blowout. Yeah, blowout. I like the blowout. <laughs> that was, uh, that's my favorite as well. Those are my favorite, my favorite Steven words that I agree with. I like all the Steven reviews. That's that's why he's here and around with us because uh, yeah. But what, like what, word, what, what words do you like the most? You have to you have to invite me on your author show so I could uh, uh, phrase true, you. I think true. that's your objective with the show is to get people that like you to to come on and say you're their favorite author. Well, so, it's happened um, every time so far. So yeah, uh, bring me on so it, it doesn't happen. I'm my favorite author. I, I'm, yeah, I'm going to praise myself. Uh, you got to be your favorite author, otherwise, who's going that's to read true. you? Hmm. Hmm. That's true. I read my stuff again all the time. Yeah, I read mine more than <laughs> more than I read Stephen's stuff. David just on his phone in the background. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty great. He's reading his stuff right now. Flipping through the reviews. He's like in his own letterbox reviews. Which review do I like the most? It's like so. I'm just reading the collected works of David Punch. This guy really knows Chaplin. Yes. This guy gets me. Vaughn, the question was, um, what are your favourite Stephen reviews and what words in those reviews do you most agree with? I already said my favourite is Blow Up and Blow Out by Zero okay. Beaver. Those are my yeah. favourite Stephen reviews. Yeah, those, those are pretty good reviews. That's a, that's a good gag. My my actual answer would probably be I, Your Tragedy, but my best review is oh, probably okay. one of my favourites. Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I mean, you know, David, you're here, so... Uh, you know, I, I, I like uh, most all of Steven. I, I wish my memory was better. To, uh, Same. Yeah. It's, uh, to, to kind of pick pick one out. You know. You also wish his memory guess, is better, uh, yeah. It's basket case, isn't it? It's basket case. Here, here we go. Here's uh, here's one. It's a review of The Third Man. It starts, it's time for another interview with a great writer from Letterboxd. <laughs> Actually, it says form Letterboxd. <laughs> oh, God damn so it. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> I am not changing that. <laughs> It says, uh, this time, David Punch from the Twin Geeks, arguably one of the... T- yeah, so so I think this one's a really, really good one. I didn't read that one. Um, clearly, hence why it's not being corrected. <laughs> well, I think uh, I think uh, your thing that you did on Babe Pig in the City was, like, the reason I invited you to come to write for the website, because I was, like, so enamored with, like, your different take and your perspective <laughs> on that. More recently, your Moon Age Daydream, just, like, your whole Bowie yeah. fixation really, like, drew me into, like, a web of being, like... Man, I love reading people who are, like, so close to a subject and are, like, living it every day. Like, that's really uh, sweet and what I want from writing. So uh, that moved me a lot, too. Uh, Thank you. So those two pieces. Thank you. Thank you. That was a really great question. Thank you, Anonymous um, Question Asker, for that question. (laughs) (laughs) It was really good. If you don't want this again, listener, send us emails. (laughs) I think we have one more. I think we've got one more, yeah. Yeah. Calvin, Calvin, you you want want to read I don't even have it written down. Uh so <laughs> that's really funny what was my email do you do you want me to read your email calvin or do you will you please it? read my yeah will you will you send an email to the show and then read my email how come i'm the only one who had to read my email <laughs> i'll read my email um, <laughs> sorry i'm just i'm just reading these two things that i wrote and just laughing at them <laughs> <laughs> um i messaged the show and said uh don't you think Banshee's been Ishiran is the greatest film of the year? And uh, that's an absolute fact. Um, Let me see and where then I said, uh, Let's see. Uh, what else did I say? I said, uh, check out this new show, um, uh, Critically Considered, about a award season uh, podcast. Uh, we go through all the uh, new movies, uh, just like uh, uh, spoiling things, but, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, a, a bit more diverse range of movies there. Um, <laughs> okay. It'll be uh, okay. 
No, I'm just kidding. Uh, okay. It'll be a good compliment to the show, I think. It'll be a, a good range. Uh, you guys spoil the movies, and then we kind of like break down the general consensus of them. Yeah. Um, where is Banshees on your personal lists? And um, we can we can we can say. I know we keep rank, we keep rank lists one. It's number two. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna split the difference at forty-four. I have it. I have it. One of like hundred and thirty movies seen. It's one behind Prey and one above Nitrum. I I have it at three on my list. Um, it's but below like nope. five movies there. It's below so. Nope. To be fair. Yeah. Same. Same. Um. um above Nope. Uh, above everything on my list. Uh. Um. And now I'm going to give a dramatic reading from Zero Zebra of two reviews. <laughs> A review of Blow Up from 1966. I mean, it's good. I can just imagine it working better if it was set in the US in the 80s and it was way pulpier. But I feel that about most movies. Next review, Blow Up, 1981. I mean, it's good. I can just imagine it working better if it was set in England in the 60s and was way more pretentious. But I feel that about most movies. There you go. Enjoy that. Stephen, yeah. what, <laughs> what are your actual opinions on Blow Up versus Blow Out? Um, I think they're both absolutely excellent. Um, I prefer Blow Up to Blow Out. Uh, but it took me two viewings of Blow Up, which were, like, in, in a row, I, I watched it and was like, I don't really get that. And I watched it again, I was like, oh, it's because it's not the movie that you think and think it is, and it is toying with you very, very cleverly. I think both movies are really good. I would just prefer one of them if it was a bit, like, 60s and more pretentious, and I think the other one could do with being a bit more pulpy, and in the 80s. Understandable. I have... Maybe I shouldn't even go into it. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, Blowout's just like tied to like such a, a weird relationship I had that I, you have those movies that are like fixated okay. yeah, on yeah, yeah. Yeah. problematic people, and you're like, man, that brings me anxiety to go back to there. It's yeah, such a great yeah. movie that I that I should like divorce from that person one day. Yeah, fuck. Yeah, I, I love Blowout. I get that. It's hard to do sometimes, but yeah, Blowout is one of my favorite films. I, I agree. What well, one of the best films with one of the worst posters? <laughs> Which one? Blowout. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but the, okay. it's just like squished John Travolta face. Yeah, on a black I like background. the other poster that Vaughn has for it. That poster's better. Yeah, it's yeah, the, the criterion, criterion poster is much better. Yeah, yeah. great. Yeah, great Criterion art. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So there you go. That's that's the recommendation. So recommendations. Um, recommend a film that you've seen recently. Um, David, uh, you first. <laughs> oh, let's see. I've got to look at my log because I haven't watched anything in several days because I've been very sick. Mm. Um, we do we do okay. being sick differently. Me too, yes. <laughs> uh, how, how recently do we want to go? Okay, I'll go, I'll go back a little bit. I found... Um, <coughs> la, towards the end of last month, I watched uh, David Cronenberg's M. Butterfly, uh, which was a very interesting, different film from him that is uh, hard to find and underseen, I think. I don't know if anyone else here has seen it. I have not. Being big it's one of the, one of the few Cronenbergs yeah. I have left. I've gone through most of them this year, but it's one of the couple I have got left to watch. Yeah, Stephen seems angry yeah, about it, this. Yeah, that's as as David well knows. There's literally the only David Cronenberg film I have not seen, including his short <laughs> films. I've watched half of it. Um, I was not that enamored with it. We'll get back to it at some point. It's 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 not his best film by any means, but it gave me a a lot to chew on, okay. and I was very interested to see how he would tackle multiple delicate subject yes. matters. That as as a uh, cis white filmmaker, Canadian as well. Uh, yeah, cis white Canadians yeah. would not necessarily be be in, in, uh, mm -hmm. inherently adept mm -hmm. to tackle, but I think he does so very gracefully, and he ties them in with his perennial themes, 
uh, quite adeptly, even if the uh, material or the pacing of the story sometimes lets yeah. it down. And I think some of the contemporary reviews that kind of maligned it were fixated on certain, you know, more, uh, I, I guess, controversial elements uh, of, of the story inherently that were kind of, you know, being uh, carried back on the back of other more exploitative films that came out around okay. the same time. Um, so I think it's, it's much more interesting. I don't want to say too much about it because part of it is, you know, kind of a, in, in a, a reveal nature. Yeah. But I think the film does a good job of uh, kind of showing its hand and making it so that it's not just a, a big rug pull moment when, when those moments come. So very interesting, very thought-provoking, another great uh, Cronenberg contemplation good, good. of identity and, uh, you know, kind of human, you know, interaction, understanding of self. And I think very much so fits in his room. Um, Calvin, send any gifts recently? <laughs> uh, yeah. Any gifts? Any, any gifts? Yeah, I, you saw know? The, I saw the new Ghibli. Yeah, the Ghibli. Ghibli, please. Ghibli? Studio Ghibli. Studio Ghibli. Or is it Ghibli? Uh, definitely yeah. not talk about that. Absolutely. I went over to another uh, family's house, a friend's house, and watched uh, with their kid, uh, uh, Castle in the Sky, another hey. a great uh, another great Ghibli uh, movie. I, uh, my... I've been sick for over a week. I got my flu and COVID shot at once, yeah. and it felt like I had both of them for an entire week. I feel like I'm, I could still barely breathe. You probably see me like wiping my face like ten times during the podcast. I, uh, I, I also end up watching movies differently than David, I guess, because I just sit and watch movies the entire time if I'm yeah. sick. Uh, they are like a medicine. The, the problem is, I feel like I gotta commit so much more mental energy to like really understanding a film i'm not going to just be satisfied uh, we just watch I trash just like, kind of like, like, so. <laughs> yeah 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 i haven't watched anything too i feel heavy. like i gotta have an opinion on the trash i i'd say my biggest recommendation out of that whole like week spent would be um uh after sun a movie that i'm talking about a lot uh, on our <sighs> other show um to see that so badly but i i love this show too so i'm uh talking about it here um uh, uh, after sun's a movie about like a father and daughter who go on vacation and obviously like the father's split from their life and he's like mm -hmm. grappling with like emotional intensity and the daughter is just so wrapped up in it but she's remembering uh now that she's an adult and she's uh um i don't know what's a spoiler she's she's having a kid and she's like remembering back what it was like to be a child and uh so ha one third of the movie plays through her memories a third plays yeah. through like her uh, uh tapes that her and her father did like they filmed a lot of their vacations so and the other part is evocations of her non-memories it's like her father existing on his own and her imagining what he was like without her uh so you piece those three things together into this wow. uh really gorgeous format uh gorgeously shot everything like conveys so well like the emotional weight of the a father-daughter relationship and like this trust and bond that they have but also uh, uh underlying darkness of like a uh, emotional fallout um i i feel emotional every time i discuss the film because mm -hmm. it means so much i think it's just such a profound work and probably i think it's probably the last great movie i'll see from this year uh, I, I feel like i've cleared out most of the others fablemans has a I shot but i think it's like i said i think it's the last great movie i'll see this year i i think uh yeah, Avatar doesn't have much of a shot, does it? I mean, that might be like a visual showpiece, but uh, yeah, I, I think the overall aesthetic I even prefer of uh, uh, movies like After Sun. We yeah. talked about it a bit on our aesthetics episode of uh, um, Critically Considered this week, where it's just like a part of the aesthetic is just having a consistent like vision of a film where like all the pieces serve the story, the characters and the world inside it. Mm -hmm. I think After Sun does that better than something that's CG made like Avatar. Uh, because it has such like a 
a three-way aesthetic, like I said, like memories and, and film and then like evocations. And I think you combine those three and you have all the powerful things that films could do and show. The, the, the trailer I've seen a couple of times and it's even the trailer has just like stunned me and made me like almost cry. The trailer I just think is such a, a beautiful work in of itself and also doesn't, like the film you're describing is different to the one I thought it was and it's telling yeah. the trailer itself is already unbelievably beautiful. Um, I oh, went home and the and film made is... ever watch it. Um, the film is constantly different than what you think it's about to do. I don't think I could possibly spoil it, but it's it has tricks and it has ideas. It's leading down avenues that you you don't think it's going down. It's it's such a deep work, a deep emotionally resonant work. I want everyone to see it. Vaughn, I wish I had something quite so uh, emotionally profound and fascinating to talk about. I don't think I have quite anything like that. I haven't watched a whole any gifts lot recently since. Uh, since we last recorded <laughs> um, but uh, I will recommend a movie that I watched with Calvin actually that I think I enjoyed much more than he did because it's a real weirdo movie but uh, hey. Bob Clark's <laughs> Bob Clark's Death Dream <laughs> is a movie I really enjoyed it's so bizarre um, Bob Clark is such a fascinating director because he has one of the most bizarre filmographies of, of any director I think I don't know who that is um, he has a Christmas story, Baby Geniuses, and Black oh, Christmas. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, then yes, I do know who that is. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, Death Dream is this really interesting film that I mean, it quickly presents itself as like, um, it, it starts as this is a Vietnam movie, and these people are in Vietnam and they are fighting. It's terrible as far as trying to make itself look like vietnam because it really doesn't at all but it doesn't really mm. matter also the whole movie is like so kind of hazy and bizarre but he comes home and it kind of becomes this like destruction of of everyone around him and, and his family and sort of the the traumatic effects of war but it's presented in such a bizarre and like surreal and hazy way and it's like the whole movie feels like this weird fever dream that you just like can't get out of and it kind of it really drew me in because it's like that's just the kind of stuff that i've really been gravitating towards recently is just like stuff that's just utterly bizarre and this movie really excels at that and so i really enjoyed how just completely dedicated it was to being weird and the dialogue is so stilted and all of the character interactions are so stilted but then like it all ends up coming together really well at the end when you kind of have that moment of realizing like what it's all kind of building towards and it really works super well for me i think it's a really fascinating movie um, so yeah bob clark's death dream uh, you can watch it it's on tubi so it's really accessible oh. or just I... watch jacob's ladder yeah i have not seen that either um, i actually am going to recommend something um because i think all of you here would like and would watch this and it's only 14 minutes long um, and I think all of you should watch this. Um, who here has watched The Wolf House? Yeah. The, yes. Yeah. Did you Recently. know the, Wolf House? the directors of The Wolf House um, had a short film that came out this year? Technically I last year. Um, oh, no. That, I might know what you're talking about. The, if you have access to Mubi, um, it is on there. Um, you know how The Wolf House presents itself as an in-fiction film from that group? Yeah. This film mm. has a really cool framing device. This film claims itself to be a very old piece of silent cinema that was lost and has just been found. 
and it says you are now watching this for the first time. It's very clear from watching the film because the film is stop motion of a kind of intricacy that you could not like literally you could not make back then with the kind of like camera equipment. But it it, it plays with the the grammar of silent cinema very interestingly. The film's called The Bones and similarly to The Wolf House, it's very much about a very specific cultural atrocity and thing. It's very much about that. Um and it will tell you none about that in a way that I absolutely love of it makes you want to do the work. It's just like, we're not going to educate you, educate yourself, but it is so evocatively about this thing. It is so hauntingly about this thing. It's also just a great like horror short. So it's literally, it takes the metaphor of recovered film for a film about ultimately like found remains. And it is stop motion of bones coming together to make things. So it is about the like, the corpses and detritus and crimes of the past that are being paraded and made into things and it's very specifically about something that i will not talk about you should read up about these things um but also works as this like very kind of like unheimlich just uncomfortable unpleasant thing that is mesmeric to watch but also deeply uncomfortable it's 40 minutes long it's really really cool awesome could you link us? Just remind us, please. I, I want to see that. The Bones, it's on Mubi. Um, it was a it's Mubi, on Mubi presentation. Okay. So if you've got access to Mubi, The Bones. Excellent. From Christopher Leon and Joaquin Cochina. Um, awesome. Yeah, really, really cool. House, so. so yeah, Los Huesos, um, or The Bones, anglicized. Um, yeah, and that framing device is very, very cool. And I thought that framing device would, uh, would pique David's interest, perhaps. Hmm. Certainly, certainly. Uh, <clears throat> especially since it ties in with... Uh, I guess one of the, the the new plugs. Yes. What a segue yeah, to plugs. I think I think we can maybe get through all of these all of our all of our podcast plugs with everyone that's on the podcast. Everyone can promote their own thing. Yeah. Oh, plug <laughs> plug ahoy. All right, Vaughn, plug a thing. All right. My other podcast that you can listen to on the Twin Geeks Network is Calvin and I's show, Critical Consideration. Please give that a listen. We are going through awards season and what's coming out and what we think about different categories and what we would want to place in those different categories. So if you want kind of a constantly updating and up-to-date kind of listen-through of what award season is looking like and what maybe to look out for and watch for different categories, then check that out. Listen to that. Utterly fabulous. Hello, I'm Stephen um, from the podcast um, I'm Thinking of Spoiling Things, and I'm here to talk to you about The Stacks, an initiative, a brand, the future of home and theatre entertainment uh, it's arnie month on the stacks which means subscribers can listen to um a we re- revisited um the terminator which you'll listen to can't wait jack was lukewarm on the terminator and has now rewatched the terminator um we also watched commando me for the first time and you're gonna hear my views on commando which includes and this way to subscribe the most labored intricate and confusing <laughs> metaphor i've ever made to describe my feelings about a film so if you want to listen to that, and you know you kind of do, then there's that for you. Um, and then in the free feed, we have um, Hercules in New York and other Arnie stuff. And I've been watching some more Arnie stuff in the background as well to get my Arnie on. So the Stacks, follow us and, you know, the pa- um, patreon.com slash the Stacks on film um, for those who would love to support Calvin. Well, uh, just uh, multiple shows, as always. Uh, um, we'll bring back Ranking the Monsters before too long uh, with our friend Jack. Uh, we have a couple excellent films that set up for that. That'll be a very fun uh, show. Um, do we? Do we have a couple of excellent films? You'll find out. Uh, excellent films to talk about. Okay, um, I, now for I agree. sure. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, good fodder for a podcast. Mm, I would say not quite yeah. uh, mm. top level films. Uh, 
Uh, but we do have uh, excellent films, probably coming to uh, uh, Don't Let the Modern Cast Get You. Um, yes. And we'll record that near the end of the month here. And then uh, the Christmas special next month. Uh, uh, just uh, as a, a momentary story, um, Ezra was on FaceTime yesterday with her cousin. And uh, um, her, her cousin suddenly, like, they're exchanging Christmas songs. <laughs> her cousin's like, uh, I don't want to trigger anything in the room. She's like, hey, Alexa, just uh, play a... Uh, um, jingle bell farts and, and it's like a jingle bell farts playing by the toilet cleaners i'm like that's matt farley i'm like her cousin <laughs> triggered a song by matt farley and i texted matt farley i'm like you wouldn't believe this uh, uh, someone in my life that's not in my house has just triggered a song and, and now i'm listening to a matt farley song and uh, uh just remember i just texted you from this movie two years ago and now uh, look how all these ways that you're coming yeah. up in my life at film festivals and uh, on Alexa, uh, Matt Farley, you're everywhere, and uh, we love you. So uh, it really reminds me to tell a story from a different podcast. Obviously, I'm not on, but um, the I think it was the Judge John Hodgman show of Jesse Fawn, who was the co-host on that, was talking about how his kid loves the Minecraft Story Mode TV show, and he thought he'd get some dad time being like, you know, the guy that's that voice. He's a good friend of mine. I've put him. The kid was like, "Yeah, I don't. I don't care. What are you talking about? Why? Why would you think this would impress me?" <laughs> right. So I I told them, and I'm just like, "Yeah, yeah." I, I talked to Matt about it. He's like, "Yeah, tell him that's the guy you text with." I'm like, "Yeah, I text with that guy." And they're like, "Yeah, whatever. What, what, what does it mean to text? Like, look, we're FaceTiming with our cousins. Is that is that that cool?" And then Steven's like, "Tell him you know Taylor Swift." And I'm like, "Yeah, I, I also uh, text with Taylor Swift." Like, no, you don't. Night. And then uh, Ezra Tucker. Took her iPad and ran to her room. Wouldn't talk to me. So, Fair enough. <laughs> uh, yeah. But another Matt Farley run in in my day to day life. Yeah. Oh, One of his 30,000 songs. Yeah. What a guy. David. Well, uh, I guess this is the first time I get to uh, plug uh, our new show on a podcast. Which I think. Here, the, uh, I'm trying to work out the release dates of things. I, I think it's next week. No, it's in uh, of this, of this, this show. This show okay, yeah. comes out, I've got it, the 25th. Ah, so, the 25th. yesterday, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it will have uh, come out then, by now, this this first episode of our new uh, inaugural, uh, inaugural episode of our new podcast called Ashes to Classics. It's a silent film podcast about uh, the, the discussing the history and importance of rediscovered lost silent films. So... You know, uh, the, the early film history doesn't get a lot of coverage in, in a lot of uh, film circles uh, nowadays, uh, even though everyone knows how important it is and how uh, filled with creativity and classics uh, it is. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that so much of it is lost. Yes. Uh, 70 to 90 percent of all silent films that were ever made around the world just don't exist anymore. But a lot of them do because they've turned up over time. They've, they've persevered and survived. And so Stephen and I are going to go through them, talk about their histories, you know, how they were made, how they survived, and uh, what they're like today. And so we're we're gonna we're gonna put their stories back into the histories for the first time since they were made. Two points of order. First of all, silent film podcast. Don't worry, we will be talking. The, the, it is not a silent. Yes, that film was always podcast. my idea. I, I always <laughs> wanted to release a silent film. That's just like silence, and that like every week. Do, 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 do. <laughs> there you go. And Beautiful. links to what I just sang there. Um, remind me in the first episode, David, to talk about a thing that I was reading um, about how the conceptions about silent film and expectations have actually been kind of like built from um, 
sound film, mocking silent film at the beginning as a way to propagate itself. And I'll get into the specifics there because what I read about that was very, very interested in that. And actually found someone tweeting about it last week that pointed out some receipts about that stuff of like some actual evidence of like, people think silent films are this because of this and actually there's this. So I will talk about that. That's hmm. a, a tease for an anecdote. Ooh, I will uh, make a note of that. Boom. Well, yeah, I, th- I think that's it for now. I think there's also what the the, the, the daydream task you can tune into for uh, video game. Jack coverage. Davenport. And, uh, Jack Davenport, the, the Jack. master of Terrace Cassie himself. Jack Davenport. Huh. He's on it. This and then week? next week. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The yeah. Next one. Yeah. Covering what game? Well, maybe I just mentioned it. There's also the the newest show from our co-host there with uh, Murph and Fru, who are doing this podcast as a bad oh, idea. Oh yeah, Fru is on this podcast. I know they're. Yep. Yeah, yeah, they're here earlier. Uh, uh, their next episode is going to be about the the aftershocks and cultural impact of James Cameron's <laughs> Avatar. Oh. Okay, I'm very excited to listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so all the weird uh, kind kind of little. Lo- cohorts and stuff that they kind awesome. of uh, birthed from there and, and what those communities are up to nowadays okay yeah awesome and Edwards and Podbreaks exists as well yeah uh, it, it, also... it exists <laughs> I'll also push again just to keep people excited um, Steven's project with the Twin Geeks feed which will be happening oh, yeah, yeah. soon um, and... want to go over that once again Steven I need to do I need to set up actually some slots of this but yes we are going to post our Top tens from all of our writers and contributors, um, and I think I am going to set up a little uh, audience vote thing as well, as we can do a little like kind of end of year celebration of not the top ten of the year, but the top ten to coincide nicely with the sight and sound things. It's a fun thing to do. Um, I've got most of the sites top tens in now. It's a really varied list of movies, and I think it's really illustrative of the, like the though. It can look quite homogenous, and in ways it is, in terms of the kind of perspectives we have. But it's it's a nice thing of being like they're coming from different places in terms of what they value in film, and it's like a really nice contextualizing point. So I think you'll learn a lot about each writer um, from the films that they prize. And you know, gun to the head, these are the ten films I'm picking. There's some really interesting choices. Um, less overlap than I thought, which I think is also very very interesting. Uh, quite a distinctive um, and unique bunch of movies. There may be other things coming to that feed, but yeah, stay tuned to the the Twin Geeks feed. Because same that time, same yeah, that channel. Of course. Uh, yeah, there may be oh, a couple ep- random episodes interspersed in there too, so uh, we'll see what uh, develops there. Excellent. Well, Vaughn, do you have any um, closing remarks? Apologies, retractions? I don't think I have anything else to add. We'll be back in two weeks, but for now, I'm thinking of ending this podcast. 